Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Crime Landers. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. We have the brilliant Grace Mulvey. Uh, Great Grace Mulvey, as she's called on the circuit. Grace Mulvey is a fantastic comedian. Do check her out on Twitter and Instagram. It's Grace Mulvey Comedy. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode today. If you have enjoyed the episode, I would really appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your pods. And also, I know I have been talking about this the last couple of weeks since we've come back with season three, but I don't actually earn any money from the podcast bar the donations I get on Patreon. Uh, I'm trying to get to 100 patrons just to cover the cost of doing the podcast because I really enjoy it. I love the response that Crimeland gets. I am trying to get through. I know a few, uh, quite a few people have sent me really lovely messages the last couple of weeks. So I'm trying to get back to everyone. I mean, that's not to say, you know, we're not talking. I'm not a blind boy level of thousands of DMs. I'm sure he has a much busier inbox than me, but I am really trying to get back to everyone because it does mean so much when people get in touch and say they they enjoy the podcast. But if you would like to support us for the price of a coffee, $3.50 a month, you get extra content. You get, oh, there's Pearl Ted. I will have to go now because my two-year-old is not happy that I'm doing an intro to the podcast. He is with his dad. Don't worry. Um, He is currently accompanied, but I will. I'm going to have to bail, guys. But just to say for $3.50 a month, you get the extra content, you get uh ad free episodes and you also get early access to episodes as well and it just means that you are contributing towards the cost of the podcast not everyone could afford it right now and if you can't you can't that is no worries at all i'm sorry for asking because it is a bit cringe but if you could spare um the price of a coffee a month it just makes such a difference thank you so much for listening to crimeland and without further ado here's your episode enjoy And my name is Jenny J, and this week I'm joined by my old pal, absolutely love her, the brilliant Grace Mulvey, <laughs> to talk about Madeline Smith. Now, oh bit of a disclaimer: Madeline Smith is not the victim in this case, but as is often the kind, I feel this is often what we're saying about these stories. She's not the victim, but I feel she's the most interesting part of the story. So, therefore, okay. the title of this pod is. Madeline Smith. That's why we're focusing on Madeline. How are you, Grace? Can I just say before you say 
I thought you were going to say Madeleine McCann there, right? And I was like, Stop. you know, when you were overloaded with information on something and that would be a case that I haven't know too much about. To be it's honest. just, there's too many Reddit threads. Like I feel like that, like I kind of try to go for the alternative cases because there are cer- a certain amount of cases that, you know, people get in touch and they're like, you know, will you do X, Y, and Z? And I feel yeah. like they have been done so well that it's kind of hard for me to come along and give my two cents. And also, with the whole Madeleine McCann thing, I feel with the podcast now, I definitely prefer looking at historical true crime. Like I find the recent stuff yeah. a little bit affecting. Like even I was always a wonder more than yourself, Grace, for the old Netflix true crime documentaries. But a couple I tried to watch recently and I just thought to myself. Because they happened like yesterday. Absolutely it, not. I don't want to literally, know about Literally, like we're yeah. talking about it. Like even there was one... Um, what is that one? A Mother's Love. Did you watch that one on Netflix? No. I have to check. Is it? But basically, I found it very strange because like we're talking about something that happened in like 2020. And then it turns out that I felt we were kind of, hang on, I'm just going to honeymoon with my mother. No, that's definitely not in. A young man is stood up at the altar. His overprotective mother decides to join him on what have been his honeymoon. That was definitely not it. Okay, (laughs) hang on. Please, someone make a documentary about that. I oh would watch God. that. If that so happened, many I would issues. Watch that. Something about anyway, this month. What I'm saying is it was too recent. Like we're talking about something that happened in 2020. We find out there's a criminal trial happening currently. You just think to yourself, yeah. what can we give it, not over. give it a beat? But you know what? It's almost like, I don't know if you've seen this show, which they've now like Ryan Murphy is made into a big um, dramatized show, The Watcher. And yes, I, I haven't even watched it. Have you it. watched it? I haven't watched The Watcher, but I will watch The Watcher soon. But I, thank you for working on that. But I um, read a review that someone was like, they don't even know who did it. It's been so oh, recent. They actually, Grace, thank you for saving story. me the time. I don't want to, I want to know who did what when. Okay. We, and also as a comedian, I we're only allowed really make jokes about like the Titanic now and it's been a hundred years. So Even now, I, yeah. yeah. Like I do, I do a whole bit about the famine and people get a bit weird about it. I'm like, oh, stirring up some sad memories for some people. <laughs> like it has been 170 years. You know, yeah. I'm not disputing that the famine didn't happen, but I do have a lot of questions. Like we're an island, could people eat fish? Like I just have a lot... <laughs> of questions that's but, so true but I, I I just feel that's why I'm actually going to change um I meant to do this week now because we're coming back with season three and I have four or five podcasts in the bag that I'm just going to put out so we don't miss a week but I'm going to change the description on the podcast to historical true crime because for me personally I much prefer listening to something that's a bit historical I just prefer talking about stuff that happened a while ago when it's recent it just gives me the ick no when it's recent it feels like karma that I'm like I I, it's like the beginning of every film where I'm the over cocky kind of person you know being like I don't care about the slasher that's out there and then I'm the first dead do you know what I mean yeah so that's why I want it to be and to be fair that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely your reputation on the scene everyone's like I like Grace but she's just a bit over cocky I like Grace, but she talks about murders that have just happened way too like, much. Like literally, you know, give it a beat. Like the murder just happened a couple of days ago and she's doing material on it. You're like, that case is still open. Ongoing. Yes. Exactly. Ongoing, Grace, please. <laughs> Madeline Smith. And Madeline now you've Smith. said Madeline McCann. All I can think is Madeline McCann. Madeline, Madeline Smith. Smith. What's her name? So Madeline Smith was the first child of five uh, kids in an upper middle class family in Glasgow. So this we're talking 19th century here, Grace. So she was very well off and her dad, James Smith, was a wealthy architect. Her mother, Elizabeth, was the daughter of another architect called David Hamilton, who apparently was kind of a big deal. So it seems to me like, you know, if your dad's an architect, you're going to kind of marry an architect. You know, people say you're going to marry your dad. So that seems to be true in this instance. (laughs) It's very sad that like the wife could never be the architect. You know, if you're an architect, you're going to marry someone whose dad was an architect. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like, I mean, you don't, I mean, obviously women couldn't design buildings. Like, no, I'd like, and even now I know this, maybe this is controversial. I don't know. I don't think women should be architects, Grace. That's just how I feel. Because they get their periods. 
Of course. Full there's going to be a week there where their mind is not going to be on the job. Yeah. They're just going to want to be at home be with all the water the bottle. Exactly. They're Think about the foundations. Things. Think about the foundations. We need someone who's going to be on the job. It's just a bunch of like smashed windows from period rage. That's what's going to be the building oh, at the end stop. of the day. Wouldn't you love to smash it out a window? Have you ever done it? I have unintentionally. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I was reaching behind a couch one time to get a ball <gasps> and leaned so hard on the couch it went through the window. Oh my God, Grace. Yeah, I was a fat kid. Anyway. You poor thing. No, but that's just gravity though. If you leaned over a couch, I can totally see how that would go over. And it was a double window. window. It's meant to hold more. Double like, I was Christ. very. Like, what do I... I was like, am I Iron Man? What the hell am I doing? Oh my God. This is definitely the start of your X-Men origin story. Exactly. Can look yeah. through a double glazed window. That is like yeah. so impressive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, Elizabeth, she didn't get to design windows, double glazed or otherwise. She just got to marry an architect. So she married this fellow called David Hamilton and she had the five kids and Madeline was the eldest. So Madeline was born at the family home on a Wellington place in Glasgow in 1840. In 1855, the family moved from India Street to Blythswood Square, Glasgow, living in the lower half of the house, which was owned by um, uh, David Hamilton's uncle. So David Hamilton owned this gaff. He was actually a yarn merchant. None of this is information you need to know, but just in case you were wondering. You the had house- yarn. You had me in a yarn merchant. <laughs> so the house stands at the crown of the major development led by William Harley, who was also like this big architect guy. And they were so wealthy, they also had a country property, this family, called Rowellin near Helensborough. So these guys were really well regarded, fam, yeah. very much upper echelons of Glasgow society. So Madeline would have been considered, I guess, you know, a bit of a catch. Let's face it. Yeah. However, so Madeline kind of reached an age, she's a teenager, she's getting to that age where obviously people are talking about marriage and suitors and all the rest. And she kind of, she very much really broke strict Victorian conventions of the time when as a young woman in early 1855, she had this neighbor called Miss Mary Perry who was kind of middle-aged and she introduced Madeline to this guy called... Pierre-Emile L'Anchilet, uh, oh. who went by the name Emile. And she introduced, she was friends with this guy, Emile, and he, she was like, you have to meet this young neighbor I have, uh, whose name is Madeline. I think you really hit it off. So she introduced them and the pair really did hit it off. So much so that the sparks were flying the second these two people were introduced. Now, let me tell you about Emile. So Emile was the first of five children as well. He was born to French parents on the Channel Islands, which is a place that really fascinates me, the Channel Islands, in April of 1823. Why does it fascinate you? Well, the most boring sounding island, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Well, but you know, the fact it's like, you know, the whole France, England thing, like Channel Islands always got, like I always hear of people swimming across the Channel, but the fact that people live there just strikes me as fascinating. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when I say fascinating, <laughs> like not something we're going to dwell on. Like I wrote one <laughs> sentence on it. I love the way I'm like, I just find the Channel Islands fascinating. Tell me one fact about the Channel Islands, Judy. Nothing. Like there's no. I just like, want to say, I, I didn't mean to call you out there, but as as it's just the, the least interesting sounding island I've ever heard. And then you're no like, the fascinating channel. Just island. you know yourself, Grace. So much going on. I mean, am I wrong? Is Jersey is Jersey one of the Channel Islands? This is when people send like me very Jersey, 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 Jersey. Like Jer- okay, Jersey is a place that interests me for sure. Because it's like got that kind of French feel, but it's still England. And Dawn Porter is from Jersey and I absolutely love her. So the reasonably interesting Channel Islands. He was uh, 10 years older than uh, uh, Madeline. So Madeline had been born, uh, apologies, Madeline had been born in 1833 and he was born in 1823. So he was 10 years older than her. Uh, his family had run a seed merchant business out of their small house and their business was confined to natives or French speakers. But his dad had wanted him to attract the business of wealthy English visitors who spent time, of course, on holidays on the islands because they're so fascinating. 
Uh, with this goal in mind, Emil was sent to be an apprentice to a neighboring nursery, as they call it, you know, kind of a garden or whatever, that catered to British clientele. After some initial uneasiness, Emil became a hard worker and enhanced the basic English he had learned at school, becoming quite fluent in both French and English. So he was kind of impressive in that way. Yeah. In 1842, as Emil was nearing the end of his apprenticeship, this guy from Scotland, his name was Sir Francis Mackenzie, which I think has to be like the most Scottish name ever, took a liking to him and offered to take him back to work on his Scottish estates. So the family said this would be a great way to attract even more business to the Channel Islands because they're so fascinating. (laughs) And so Emil journey... Why would they even need to attract business? People can't just can't stop going. Well, incredible Channel Islands. That is true. It's like... How do we improve on perfection? This but place look, just sells itself. Do you know what I mean? Like people are swimming. The channels like get here. You're getting such a sense of the islands with my crime and here. Like just such a taste. So a meal journey to a nursery in Edinburgh for training in the plants of Scotland, which I'm sure is more interesting than it sounds. But look, whatever you're into yourself, would yeah. you be green fingered? Me. Yeah. That, for some reason, said a re dirty when you said it. And then I was like, excuse me. Um, Green fingered, absolutely not. No, um, the moment I thought about it. Also, like I'm a millennial in a house here. I don't have a garden. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, yeah, I have some plants. I will say this because you know, like now we're all obsessed with plants because we can't afford to have children, and we're like, oh, water the plants, talk to the plants. So I have heard apparently you should sing to your plants. Haven't well, I think do you remember um as he's now known amongst his mates, King Charles, back in the day when he used to talk about like it's funny because like Prince Charles, I remember the 90s, he used to be banging on about talking to his plants. And at the yeah. time I was like, that's wouldn't no talk to way, his wife. That's <laughs> no way to refer to your parents. Like, come on now, <laughs> Charles. But like everyone thought he was mad, but sure now we're all having full-blown conversations with our cacti. Oh my God, that is mad. He was well ahead of the time. Do you know what? He is the millennial of the royal family because everyone hates him. And I think that that's what a millennial is. He basically was doing stuff that millennials were doing, which is basically having terrible communication and relationships, but like talking to your plants. Well, imagine like poor old Diana was just like, can you just break up with your girlfriend? And then he's going out talking dirty to his little sweet peas. You just be like, come on. Just give me an ounce of that love, please. Yeah, I know. I anytime I'm in the IKEA plant section, though, I lose the plot. Like I'm an angel of death when it comes to plants. But when I hit up IKEA, I go full on. Do you remember Destiny's Child? I'm a survivor. Oh, I'm yeah. not gonna give up. Yeah. Like I just lose the run of myself entirely. IKEA is just a place that makes you believe. That you can be a different person. Yeah, you're someone you're not. But you're someone you're not. You're literally like, I'm gonna make this bed. You're never making a fucking bed. And, and like, you're like I only need a capsule wardrobe. Exactly. Oh my god! Like the amount of times I I've gone around being like, oh my god, there's so many organizers here. I can organize my life and put. I'm never using that. I'm never. Keeping I, the yeah, life. and you're, you're saying to me? yourself, I need a stationary organizer for all my pens to jot down all these amazing ideas. And Judy, would you feel Channel Islands, Crimeland. Another Crimeland idea. There's definitely been a murder at an Ikea. I have to believe that someone has murdered their partner at an Ikea. You could do an incredible Crimeland about that. Well, yeah, I think when you're at this till and somebody says, can I just run back for one thing? And you're just a salmon going against the tide. (laughs) Like, I feel if you did kill someone in an Ikea, it wouldn't even, like, they wouldn't even try to do murder it would just be straight up manslaughter because like you would immediately have that mitigating factor of it's ikea oh i feel like the the body the body would be like surrounded by swedish meatballs that i'm after like <laughs> those swedish meatballs shoving down someone's throat to stop them talking i do think it's an endurance test for a couple's oh and if you manage tough. to make it out both of you alive from ikea that's a celebration you should be together forever that is, I, it's, yeah. it's definitely that. That should be a Netflix doc. Forget the, forget the oh ones God. where the mother goes on honeymoon with the, with the gang. A couple who have to like buy just some furniture for their house, and you follow them from the beginning to the end of IKEA. It would be that the best would actually be a great show, wouldn't yeah. it? Like a couch, you go in there. All we want is a couch, but like before you know it, you're like, who is he? Yeah. And before you know it, he's turning to you and be like, you will kill that plant. And you're like, no, I'm going to kill you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, no. What I'm killing here is the you. cactus. Yeah. The cactus is going to be fine. I mean, I think you're the one who should be sweating. 
So Emil is in Edinburgh. He's with the plants. He's having a great old time. And then Sir Francis died suddenly. And without enough money to return home because his boss has died, Emil was suddenly stranded in Edinburgh. So basically, he was in a bit of a precarious position, but the place he'd been working decided to keep him on. And over the next few years, Emil would continue to work as a nurseryman in Scotland, the Channel Islands and France. So he was doing reasonably well, but like still wasn't at like Madeleine Smith's level of, you know, being high society kind of thing. So in 1852, he moved to Glasgow where he met Madeleine. Now, they really hit it off when Mary Perry introduced them, had this real physical attraction to one another, so much so that they quickly embarked on an illicit love affair, which Madeleine's family knew nothing about. Yeah, Madeline's slumming it with the poor. Slumming it it. with the owl nursery man. We've all been there. So they started to meet in secret and they were both prolific letter writers. Their correspondence revealed like a really passionate and physical intimacy that obviously would have really shocked her family. But this was definitely a serious relationship and more than a flirtation. Madeline refers to herself as Emile's quote, darling wife or Mimi Longchillard. And Emile presses her again and again to marry him. However, Madeline is really pragmatic about it and insists that like, as much as she's mad about him, her family would never condone a match between yeah. them. So Pretty sorry, enough. Emile, that's just not like a runner. Like I'm into you. I'm into the plant talk, but like mm-hmm. this can't, this can't be a fish. They would yeah. meet late at night and he would come to Madeline's bedroom windows, so like real Romeo and Juliet vibes. And on one of their meetings, she did actually lose her virginity to Emile, which was something they discussed in their letters to one another later on. But like they were very much, you know, they, there were real feelings there. Like there, there was real yeah. love there. So eventually Madeline acquiesced to Emile's repeated requests and agreed to marry him, but still hadn't informed her parents of the affair. So it was like a kind of a secret engagement. Like I don't know how binding this engagement was because it was like, yeah. we've all had the secret engagements, you know, where a guy's like, so we're getting married, but let's tell no one and make no preparations <laughs> for it. So we're not going to tell anyone. We're not yeah. going to do anything for the wedding, but I just want yeah. you, you to know I'm marrying you. Yeah. When, where, I don't know. Like we're obviously, we're not officially yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend just yet, but like, just you're not so allowed you know, to talk to me in public. You're not allowed to actually look me in the eye. You, you know, are like shifting. Normal yeah. Like, obviously, I'm shifting multiple people. I don't know about you, but like, we are marrying, just so you know. So it was, yeah. it was that kind of, you know, loosey goosey, bit of a nebulous uh, engagement scenario. But because they were not aware of Emile, Madeline's parents had found a suitor for her who was, in their eyes, a very suitable match for her. So his name was William Harper Minock. And okay, he... what kind of name is that? No, offense. I know Minock. It's an unusual Minoch one, is... isn't it? That sounds like it's Irish. I know Minock from often. There's no absolute way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This guy sounds like an absolute, I don't know. He might have been a chancellor, but he was, so he was a well to do businessman. He was oh. very upper middle class in Glasgow. And in her parents' eyes, he was like the perfect match for their daughter. So, when Madeline was kind of approached about this guy initially she was like oh then she went on a few dates with him and obviously as is the way in 19th century Glasgow like two dates in next thing you know they're engaged so it's kind of like the third date rule but it's like dating in your late 30s it's like listen yes it's I like you you like me let's go fast forward like you know they mentioned there that's I always say that with Fred like our second date he said something about his nephew and I was like I get it you want to have kids with me? Like, <laughs> okay. Oh, re- I've read that message loud and clear. Yeah. So they did actually get engaged. And she then, so she's still in touch with Emil. So Madeline gets on to Emil and she says, look, I'm officially engaged now. Obviously our engagement was with pie in the sky, like wasn't a real thing as such. So I'm going to need the letters back. We've been sending one another. Oh my and God. Yes. And she said in the letter, which I feel is real mic drop thing to say in the letter. I trust your honor as a gentleman that you will not reveal anything that may have passed between us. So she's like, look, it's been fun, but like, let's just leave things on good terms. Emil, way, like, in this day and age, it's like, you know, the screenshots coming. Oh. That guy would be on Insta straight away. For sure. Messages screenshotted. That's what it is. I'm sorry. You wrote a letter. You're not getting those letters back, love. Do you know what I mean? Well, I feel 
like like it's the classic thing of once he writes someone a letter that is actually their property then like you've written the letter but that's theirs you know like I mean we've all had many many love letters in our time Grace (laughs) boxes and boxes and like if people came to me and said Judy can I have my love letters back do you know how long that would take me Grace I have love emails and they're really um it's really weird to be like where do I store this so and, naughty. and it's like it's a sub label oh that is lovely but at the same time it's been years and now I'm like I just want to get rid of this because I have to now pay for extra storage on Google oh yeah time, no. I mean it's not worth $1.99 a month but, but like like to what subscribe to old email love emails and no, then printing them off seems extreme oh print I'm, I was like printing them off I feel like I'm a stalker I might as well make a scrapbook <laughs> do you know what I mean I, like, like, I have a piece of his hair in a scrapbook. Oh, stop. Seam and, I, do you know yeah. what? I accidentally rang, um, like, you know, you have these people in your phone from back in your single days, like Mark Tinder, yeah. Michal Tinder. And like, I accidentally rang some Mark, but then it came up as Mark Tinder. And obviously I like nearly died. There was only a couple of rings. But then for the crack, <laughs> I went into his WhatsApp picture and he's there with like, you know he's a groom he's on his wedding day the wife the bride the white dress you're like my god like this is just such a sign of how much time has passed it's just kind of terrifying when you're just suddenly brought back to a place where oh my god I think the last time I clicked into this whatsapp it was like you with your Yorkie dog and now here you are on your wedding day and you're still marked tinder my phone and also Judy you are married now so now he thinks there's definitely you're having a breakdown in your marriage and you're like, no, do you know what? I'm feeling the vibe. We were always meant to be I'm together. I'm feeling the vibe for yeah. sure. And I do think, you know, like, not that I, look, I'm not saying I would throw my family away, but it's nice to know you could, is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So Emil, like, he gets back to this. He's not impressed. And I do think in his defense, like, as we've discussed, you know, you're not getting the love letters back, really. He said to her, he was kind of gave this kind of thinly veiled blackmail to her saying, look, he would, uh, which it, like, this is where we kind of lose a bit of love for a meal. Cause like, this is just yeah. not cool. He's yeah, like, you know Channel what? Island thing to do, I have to say. The type Ch- of I love, you know how I love the Channel Islands, but even by my standards, yeah. this is. The men know, are problematic. The men, like the landscape's fab, but like the men, it just, yeah, unfortunately lets them down. So he said, you know what? I will give you your letters. Uh, If you marry me, I'll give you your letters. And if you don't marry me, I'm going to give the letters to your father. So this is like advice. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Can I just say historical revenge porn, essentially? Oh, 
This is this is revenge, revenge port time. islands. Is what I'm going to call the Channel Islands from now on. Like, that's and what it I was. think I would prefer even like my father bringing a possession of a photo of me having sex rather than a letter where I'm describing oh, having sex. Because then Absolutely there's like not. you know your dad would be like, oh, I think there should be a capital L in there. You know what I keep? You definitely <laughs> like looking at the grammar as well. Like, jeez, he'd be like, so- I think you meant to say engorged here. Oh and no, like- stop! <laughs> oh my god. I think there's, is there an E in gay thing? Anyway, so there, there'd definitely be a whack of that. Emil then, so he's keeping a diary. So Madeline obviously freaks out and she's like, look, we'll meet up. We'll have a chat. Please don't do anything hasty. So obviously this is Emil like being a dick in that like yeah. nobody wants their dad to see these letters. So Emil is like, okay, we'll meet up. So at the same time, he has this diary. So he's been keeping this diary. And in the diary, he starts to say that he's feeling unwell. And he says that he feels feels especially unwell after visiting Madeline in Glasgow. So he goes to meet her and he feels really unwell after meeting her. But he had said previously in the diary that he wasn't feeling well either. He confides to a number of friends that he believes he has been poisoned. He tells his mate, Miss Mary Perry. So he tells Mary, I can't think what, quote, I can't think why I was so unwell after getting that coffee from her. If she were to poison me, I would forgive her. So like, he's really not beating around the bush here. He's like, Mary, she gave me a coffee. I felt really unwell since I think the woman's after poisoning me. A third bout of illness hit him on the 23rd of March, 1857. And this time he was so unwell that his landlady called a doctor who administered morphine. So he's walking home. He got these terrible stomach cramps. He went in and he was kind of up all night feeling really unwell. And the landlady eventually in in the early hours of the morning called the doctor. And by the morning, Emil was dead. A post-mortem showed an enormous amount of arsenic in his stomach. And when the police found the letters from Madeline, so they obviously searched his apartment, found these letters. They immediately went to Madeline Smith, arrested her and charged her with the meal's murder. Oh, my God. Yes. This is intense. It is intense. And there's so many weird twists to the story. So basically, the evidence they had against her was the primary thing was of course Emil had died from arsenic poisoning so that had been established yeah. and after his death her letters had been found which again obviously points to motive because she was engaged to somebody else and the you know the letters were very incriminating but more than that in the course of the police investigation Madeline confesses to this love affair of course she had to because like the letters you know were fairly incriminating but also the police find two pharmacists who state that they had sold Madeline arsenic which she had signed for as M.H. Smith now at the trial she was defended by this guy called John Inglis who would be future lord and he did like a really good job of defending her. So the, in the trial, of course, the two most positive elements in her defense were that these two chemists had said, look, we sold this woman arsenic, which would seem to be super. I mean, that is not good. Like as a defense yeah, lawyer, you're yeah, like, Fuck. yeah, yeah. Oh like this God, yeah. is not ideal. I think that's like the official the, or legal them, term. Like, yeah, it's like them being like, yeah, we sold her the exact gun and bullets that were used to kill this person. And yeah, like, oh, not good at all. Yeah, exactly. But then, so this is a bit weird. So they testified that they colored their arsenic with, with salt, which apparently is a thing. So the reason they colored their arsenic with salt was to differentiate, say, the arsenic from other things you'd have lying about the house. So I guess it was like a safety mm-hmm. thing. So they colored their arsenic and May then I when just, what is arsenic used for? I know other I than the same to poison like, someone. Why would you have a line about your calf? Like the only thing I could think of was maybe if you had rats or something, like if you were trying to kill an animal but of she some description. It pharmacists. Yeah. It, you'd have a lot of question marks like why on earth could you go in and just buy arsenic? But I guess it's probably up there with nowadays. In the States, why can you go into Walmart and buy a gun? Like, but I guess that's people would say defense. How is arsenic defending yourself? I don't know if there was ever a right to bear arsenic, like 
in a constitution. <laughs> Why? A pharmacist was like, arsenic, absolutely no problem. By the way, we color it just because if you use it at all, you will die. And then be like, yeah, but there you go. Here's your bottle. Like, you know what I mean? So I know why? it's, it yeah. is weird. I don't know what, it seems strange that it was so freely available and people could just go in and buy arsenic willy nilly. Cause like, if you're not using it to kill someone, then what are you using it for kind but of thing? So for sure. It'll kill, you, it'll kill you for sure so much so that they have to color it differently from other items because it will yeah. kill you. And then they're like, oh, you want a bottle? No questions asked. And the no weird thing is, like, I don't know what this arsenic, like it must have been like powder because they said they colored it with soot to give it a different color so that people didn't mix it up with flour. Like I was always presuming arsenic would be like a yeah. liquid. Like I was thinking a bottle of leucosate. You know, like arsenic, yeah. I always kind of visualized it in a bit of a, a Lucasade bottle. But no, apparently, so it was like powder form or whatever. Okay. And they colored it with salt to prevent it from, you know, being confused with other things. But then the autopsy report, they were absolutely adamant that the arsenic was clear colored in his stomach and it wasn't. Oh. So the, the pharmacists were saying like, this doesn't make sense because the arsenic we use we color it for safety purposes yeah. and this is not the arsenic that we sold to Madeline which is a kind of a big question mark in the case because obviously they're saying like these guys are like oh yeah no like that's not the color of the stuff we sold her so that's like oh okay that does seem to be a bit of an information gap well I then think what the question is apparently there's been so much arsenic just sold around Edinburgh that's <laughs> That's that the they're, big question. They're just, they're just lining the streets with arsenic and they're like, well, it could be anyone's because we, we've got the multicolor. Guess... We've got pride arsenic over here. Like, I don't know what color arsenic. Rainbow arsenic. I love it. We've I guess it's kind of like, you know, they put the colors on the sheep to differentiate the different sheep. I, but like in Glasgow in the 19th century, it was arsenic. How do you make your yeah. arsenic stand out from the crowd? How do you take so... arsenic in the morning? Is it basically the question they used to ask you every day? For sure. Also, I want to know, because I think it's so interesting that like they were doing an autopsy, which obviously they would do. But like in terms of where they were with autopsies back then, where uh, does arsenic go in the bloodstream? Like, how do you know the arsenic has stayed a color? Do you know what I mean? I know. I, I think question. I like and I don't want to, you know, shit on 19th century autopsies, but like I don't know how good they would have been. Do you know that Listen, kind of way? Like, I don't want I the NRA like and them coming after us on this podcast. Okay? Just, I, want, I just want to offend one group, okay? And that, please, if you were a 19th century <laughs> autopsy person, uh, please don't get in touch. Pathologist, yeah. whatever you call yourself, please just stay out of my DMs. But no, I do, I was questioning that as well, like with digestive systems and all the rest, because we've all had an puke and you're looking at it and like, I didn't eat a carrot. Who's to say what happens once it gets into your digestive system? Like, is arsenic like sweet corn where it doesn't? Oh, stop. The it just comes corn. out in the poo and you're like, oh, well, that's black as hell. Like, I mean, come on. I think it, I think it is basic. I think it is the sweet corn of the chemistry world. That's its, okay. that's its official title. So Emile's valet. So he had a driver. He also said that Emile had considered, it had talked to him about wanting to perhaps die by suicide as well so that he had thrown it out there that like look you know I don't feel I have a lot to live for he was very heartbroken over the Madeline situation so the the driver was very much saying like he was not in a good space at all and the the trial of course was like a media sensation one thing as well which was very important was they felt it was crucial to the case the chronology of certain letters from Madeline to Emile so the letters were kind of in the apartment, but they weren't in their envelopes. So what they had done was they'd gotten the letters and put them into envelopes, but then they couldn't quite work out the chronology of the conversation because they weren't dated the letters. So the postmarks and the envelopes were what they were using, I guess, to kind of uh, track the conversation between the two. So they seem to think that because the police kind of hastily put the letters in random envelopes, it affected the chronology of the conversation and they couldn't quite get a gauge as to where they were at as a couple when he died. But I mean, I feel it would be kind of obvious that like they obviously were not in a good place. Like if she was like, come to Glasgow to come and meet me because like, look, we need to talk about this. Like they obviously were not in a good place. So I don't know how important that is, but it is something for some reason that the defense really seemed to focus on. Well, and one the thing def- I would say is they just really need a 16 year old girl because she get that shit sorted in two seconds. Oh, Do you know what I mean? She'd be like, yeah, well, he mentioned here. 
that he oh was going to do this. Oh my God, so true. So, and, and by the way, before she was saying she kind of liked him, then this one, she really likes him. So they definitely met before this. A 16 year old girl be on top of this, okay? You're so right, Grace. Do you know what? It would be like a 90s thriller. She would just have them all up in chronological order. Yeah, exactly. That is so fucking true. Um, so look, it was obviously this like media sensation at the time, this trial. Maybe, I mean, I don't know, is this surprising? Uh, the jury came, so at the end of the trial, the jury returned one verdict of not guilty on the first count of murder and not proven on the second count of murder. So on the so the first count was in relation to the poisoning and then not proven on the second count of murder. So basically she was free. She had essentially been found, I mean, not quite innocent because obviously not proven is different from innocent. And there was this cloud of suspicion around her after the trial, but she was essentially free to go. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence there. Again, a lot of it probably related to as well, this whole thinking that like a woman could not possibly have murdered this man. Like there was probably something a bit gendered about it, but she was free to go. Now, obviously this, this trial was a huge scandal her family were forced to leave their Glasgow home and their country villa, which I mean, Deva, Deva. I hate when that happens. And they had to move to a place called the Bridge of Allen in central Scotland. They moved again because obviously the story just continued to follow them. They moved to another place called Old Palmont. And it was here where her dad died in 1863, age 55, having said to have been broken by the whole affair and never really getting over the scandal itself. Uh, in 1861 then, so Madeline had met this guy called George Wardle. They had one son called Thomas and they had one daughter whose name was Mary and nicknamed Kitten, which oh. I feel is a bit of a funny nickname. But look, also his second name being Wardle, I was like, any relation to the game? <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Well, this is Wardle with an A, but um, perhaps. So Kitten, Thomas and Kitten were the two kids. And she really assimilated into London society well. She was known by her new married name. Not everyone knew who she was, but a few right. people did know her backstory. After many years of marriage, herself and her husband actually separated in 1889. And then Madeline moved to New York City around 1916. She married a second time to William Sheehy. And this marriage lasted until his death in 1926. She died in 1928, age 93, and she was buried under the name of Lena Sheehy. She is still, I was going to say, she's still buried. Yeah, that's kind of how burial works, Judy. <laughs> she wasn't until like Just black arsenic was put over the grave. She's, you know oh, I mean? funny. Yeah, just to mark the grave. So she's still buried. Yeah. <laughs> still buried, not dug up. Still buried in Mount Hope Cemetery in Hastings on Houston in New York State. So the evidence against her would have been, of course, that she very much felt threatened. Uh, she insisted yeah. that a meal should meet her. So she really wanted to meet a meal. She had bought the arsenic shortly before Emil died, which was a big yeah. thing. On the morning of his death, it turned out as well during the trial that she had left her home and traveled alone to the family summer house, which would have been seen as unusual. Uh, when her fiance caught up with her, now, so when she finally, so she went off to the summer house for a bit of alone time, which we all get, like we love a bit of alone time. Yeah. But then when he found her, she had said to him that she was ashamed of something she had done. But of course, I mean, that could have been maybe referring to the clandestine love of her herself because she hadn't met Emil. So maybe that's yeah. what she was referring to when she said to him, look, I'm just really ashamed of something I've done. But some people write into that, like, you know, at that stage that she poisoned Emil. Emil I do then... really love as well that like to be super vague, like if I was engaged to someone and they went, I'm ashamed of something I've done, like, listen, no problem. You go off to the little summer house there. Don't tell me anymore. But you'd also can't wait to be at the altar. I know. Like, like as if you wouldn't prod them. Now, in terms of the people who would say, look, Madeline wasn't guilty of this crime. First of all, I guess he could say Emil killing him not would not have averted the scandal because he still mm -hmm. had the letters. So she didn't what get rid of the letters she at this stage. Sorry, I just want to get a oh, what, very good question. Been... Doing I the maths know, on it, you know, eighteen fifty-seven. Okay, so she would have been twenty-two at that stage. Yeah. 
so still like young enough to be stupid not a girl not yet a woman that that was definitely where she was for sure I feel like Britney so so underestimated in so many ways but such I mean that not not a girl not yet a woman I still feel I'm not a girl not yet a woman woman absolutely absolutely Britney, a poet of her time, we love her to bits. So also the fact that Emile's notebook, now this is maybe a bit of a stretch. So her defenders would say, well, his notebook and the letters, like there's no, nobody ever saw them meet. So maybe this whole thing was a fantasy, which I think is a bit of a stretch. A major problem though with the whole Madeleine Killingham theory is that she was recorded having bought the first dose of um, the poison that she used the arsenic after Emile's first records of feeling unwell so he had started to feel unwell before she bought this so that's interesting also I was about to say because he was like documenting how he thinks he might have been poisoned and then writing a letter is the equivalent (laughs) nowadays to like being poisoned and then making a TikTok about it and being like oh for sure it's definitely if it is so there's something weird that he was like, I'm not feeling well. think I've been poisoned. I'm going to sit down and write a little, little ode, little epic saga, just so well, everyone knows. And I do think the funny thing Stop about this coffee fella, from this woman is what I'd say first. Yeah. And the, the, the funny I mean? thing about Emil was he seemed to talk about arsenic a lot. So I found this interesting. So he had read this book, um, the Chambers Journal, which suggests that people who dabbled in arsenic you know, basically that like it, it kind of talked about like people using arsenic and he would have mentioned to friends that we read this book, which I feel is is interesting because like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not watching a TikTok on arsenic. Like it did seem to be a topic of conversation with other people in yeah. his life, this whole arsenic thing, which I feel is is a bit of an oddity to the story. So what is this book? Is it like how to use arsenic in your everyday cooking? Like what is the like you know what I mean <laughs> what is he what are people using arsenic well, for back so in basically the day? <laughs> which this is the this is the kind of mad thing so this journal kind of said it seemed to be like talking about using arsenic recreationally of course so I mean I've never heard of this like using arsenic in a recreational way but in this so in this journal they talked about like people who dabbled um in arsenic and they also talked about it seemed to be kind of like a how to do arsenic book because they also talked about the fact like if you're doing arsenic you should like mention to friends like you're doing this recreationally in case what I've written down here um from this source and I will mention the sources in the top when I do your gushy intro grace but that in lest they quote lest they become implicated in murder. So to make sure and mention to your mates that this is what you're doing on the weekend in case you get implication in murder. So again, an oddity there, this I feel. This feels like what your drug dealer would say to you. Now, just to <laughs> like let you know, your this MDMA is says, strong. Yeah. The drug dealer says, do not save me in your phone as drug dealer. Like that's the kind of vibe here. Save me as David Hinge. <laughs> he did also say David Hinge, Mark Tinder. Just save me as Mark Tinder and let's be done with it. And um, he told me, uh, so sorry, he told us, he told me, this is where I confess that I have made contact with the dead. So this he is told- why you were saying that Madeline is definitely buried. No, she's not. She's here tonight hosting this Here podcast. she is. <laughs> she is. Uh, she is here um she's you can just hear her very faintly on the line there in the background but don't worry we'll get a mic on Madeline in a minute uh he told his friends that he had wanted revenge on Madeline and he had talked about arsenic poisoning as I said quite frequently specifically with Mary Perry who was the woman who'd introduced Madeline and Emile initially on the night he took ill he asked for her in the expectation that she would come but of course she was a bit too late in coming and because she was a little bit delayed by then it was too late and he had died so some people were thrown out there did he perhaps poison himself to get Mary to I suppose come to the scene a bit of attention seeking perhaps but I do think look it's not ideal that Madeline was in a very tricky situation with this guy she had gone to a chemist to buy arsenic okay they're saying that was not the arsenic we we gave her but like it is, it's a very coincidental situation. I find this mental, right? That he was very interested in arsenic. Essentially had a had a book on like how to make arsenic a part of your daily life because why not? You know what I mean? And then she bought arsenic, but after he was saying 
that isn't it weird well. yeah yeah and it's a different colored arsenic because obviously the arsenic he, he wanted arsenic that looked exclusively like flour that you'd use in the cake and <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, i love working with flour i love flour. working with flour now it's Majid coil who we think did it um but yeah this now this is weird because this does make me think she didn't do it she did have a motive, but what I will say is I didn't realize the 1830s were just like sponsored by arsenic. Do you know what I mean? At the same time, it seemed that so much was fucking flowing the streets. Do you know what? Don't knock it. If you have a wedding coming up now, I'd really recommend it. Do you remember <laughs> I, when I did your brilliant podcast, Flag Camp, Grace, I meant to talk about, do you remember the body wraps we were all using back oh, in the noughties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, I did a seaweed body wrap. Oh, did yeah. I what? Yeah. I said, wonder I don't own a home. I just spent all my money on arsenic and seaweed body wraps. In saying that, I will say that if in the early noughties, arsenic had been one of the top tips to lose weight, and by lose weight, I mean lose your life, so weight doesn't matter, I would have probably done it because I would oh, have been like, oh my sure. God, apparently you lose like two inches. Off well, you. I think a real incentive to have a child is the fact that the breastfeeding, that weight just falls off. You can be eating yeah. an M&M bar every single day. <laughs> Do you know the big M&M bars? I was, must have went on two of those bad boys a day. I love that you go for M&M bars. Oh, have M&Ms you had them? Somehow are so much better. Oh like, no, sorry, the, the bars M&M bars. Oh my God, they're fab. And they're only the family size. And I like <laughs> had one when I was pregnant and I went in, they were like, you have gestational diabetes. I'm like, it's because of the M&M. Like the second I gave birth, I Ted wasn't even out of me. And like, he was just crowning. And I just said to Fred, the M&M bars. Like, Get it now. That is what gave me gestational diabetes, but I still love it. Well, in the 1830s, if you went in, pregnant apparently they were just like giving you arsenic they were just like here oh yeah go for the baby it's, it was the, the equivalent the of, was the equivalent of pseudocrine I feel back <laughs> in the 1830s Grace it's been an absolute pleasure that is the story of Madeline Smith if we are looking for you where can we find you you can find me on Instagram Grace Mulvey Comedy uh, TikTok all Grinder, LinkedIn you know yourself all the spots all uh, the spots as judy mentioned i do a podcast called fad camp and it's comedy anti-diet podcast you can find me there as well grace thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.